Welcome to Orphaned Entertainment, the podcast that has dedicated itself to the discussion and review of public domain and abandoned media. I'm your host, Christopher, and with me is the woman whose voice is like monastery bell when tolling must attend. <laughs> Hi, Lydia. <laughs> Hi. You know, I, I thought I was going to come in all clever on something, but then I got so caught up in knowing how my voice is like monastery bell. Um, <laughs> hi, <laughs> how are you? <laughs> I'm doing fine. I've been I've been looking for Charlie Chan quotes. <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> well, hopefully you had a good holiday season. I did. Thank I you. think I probably will have done by the time that this drops. <laughs> yes. Yes. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. That is exciting here, the first month, first episode of 2024. Mm -hmm. Well, before we go any further, I want to first thank everyone for tuning in to this month's episode. Orphan Entertainment is available wherever you get your podcasts. And wherever you choose to listen, if you have the option to do so, please rate and review the show. It really does help get the show out to more people. Another great way to help is just by sharing the episode you're listening to on whatever social media platforms you use. You can follow the link in the show notes to all our social media sites, as well as our YouTube channel. If you'd like to email us with any comments, suggestions, or feedback on this or any episode, please type or record a message and send it to orphanedentertainment at gmail.com. Let's listen to an Ellery Queen one-minute mystery and a promo for another podcast. And when we return, we'll see if we can uncover the truth of 1946's Dark Alibi. Ellery Queen's Minute Mysteries. This is Ellery Queen with a case I call the Whiskey Mystery. When Gaylord Leonard called me to help authenticate a new find of his, another in his collection of pirate lore, I rushed to his house. At the entrance to his library was a cask, the kind used to store rum. It was carved with the traditional skull and crossbones and signed Bartholomew Roberts. We knew that Roberts was a notorious pirate, but both Leonard and I also knew the cast was a swindler's work of art. In a moment, I'll tell you how we knew. Hello. Ahoy. My name is Adam. And I'm Nick. And this is the Bottom of the Stream podcast. A never-ending quest to find hidden movie gems on Netflix. <laughs> uh, every week we watch a random movie that we find on the stream, and we talk about it for about an hour. Uh, yeah, as well as that, we round up the news of the week, and uh, we usually mention what we've been watching at the top of the stream. Yeah, so if you're into Netflix and you enjoy watching stuff on there, give us a listen. Join us aboard our podcast boat as we navigate the perilous water. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. In the case of the Whiskey Mystery, I knew that the pirate Roberts was a teetotaler. He also wouldn't allow gambling or women on his ships, so the rum cask with his signature was a bloody fake. Listen again to Ellery Queen's Minute Mysteries. Dark Alibi is an American mystery film directed by Phil Carlson, and it stars Sidney Toller as Charlie Chan. This film is, can also be found as Charlie Chan and Alcatraz, uh, as Fatal Fingerprints and Fatal Fingertips. <laughs> Some of those are a little bit more fun than Dark Alibi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, I kind of like the Charlie Chan and Alcatraz, I'm, even though he's not an Alcatraz. <laughs> no, I was thinking that too. I mean, they never say Alcatraz in the movie, but if they had just said it one time, everybody would have been like, oh, why does Charlie Chan get arrested? That would have been a really good hook. Yeah, absolutely. In the film, while visiting a public defender friend of his, Charlie Chan hears of the plight of the daughter of a man, an ex-con, who has been convicted of robbery and murder. 
She and her father insist that he is innocent of the crime, despite his fingerprints having been found at the scene. With only days to spare, Charlie sets off on an investigation to clear the man's name. I thought I'd give you a little information about the character of Charlie Chan. Charlie Chan is a fictional Honolulu, de- Honolulu detective created by author Earl Derbiggers, loosely based on Hawaiian detective Chang Apana. Chan was conceived as an alternative to the uh, quote-unquote yellow peril stereotypes and villains like Fu Manchu that had become very common in cinema in the early 20th century. The character was first conceived by Earl Biggers in 1919 while he was visiting Hawaii, though it would be four more years before he'd actually start writing the novel. He incorporated a Chinese-American detective into the novel, The House Without a Key, after being inspired by two detectives on the Honolulu police force, Chang Apan... Apana and Lee Fook uh, that he had read about in the local papers. Biggers disliked the Asian stereotypes and wanted to create an alternative. Chan was not central to the novel and was not even mentioned on the cover or dust jackets of the time. And, and in the book, Chan is described as very fat indeed, yet he walked with the light, dainty step of a woman. <laughs> oh, wow. A little Poirot there. Biggers wrote six novels between 1925 and 1932 in which Charlie Chan appears. The House Without a Key, The Chinese Parrot, Behind That Curtain, The Black Camel, Charlie Chan Carries On, and Keeper of the Keys. The character grew beyond the novels as he began appearing in film, radio, and television. The first film featuring Charlie Chan as a supporting character was The House Without a Key in 1926, a 10-chapter serial produced by Pathé Studios. And this one stars George Kuwa, a Japanese actor, as Chan. A year later, Universal Pictures produced The Chinese Parrot, starring Japanese actor Kamayama Sojin, but only as a supporting character. In 1931, Fox Film Corporation produced the first film to have Chan as the central character. Warner Oland, a Swedish-born actor, was cast as Charlie Chan. Olin played the character as more gentle and self-effacing than the character had been in the books. He would star in a total of 16 Charlie Chan films for Fox, and often co-starring with Ki Luke as Chan's number one son, Lee Chan. Olin died in 1938, and another white actor, Sidney Toller, was cast. He appeared in another 11 films for Fox, often accompanied by Chan's number two son, Jimmy, mm-hmm. played by Victor Sen Young. When Fox decided to not produce any further Charlie Chan films, Toller bought the rights to the character and, through monogram pictures, produced 11 more films until his death in 1947. Another six films would be produced by monogram starring Roland Winters as Chan. The film we are covering today falls in the latter years of the monogram picture era of Chan films. And co-starring along Sidney Toller in the film is Benson Fong as number three son, Tommy Chan, and Manton Moreland is chauffeur Birmingham Brown. Benson Fong's acting career happened a bit by chance. In 1943, while having dinner with some friends in Sacramento, he was approached by a man from Paramount Pictures who asked if he would like to be in a movie. Fong ended up with a role in a film called China, starring Loretta Young and Alan Ladd. He was offered a 10-week contract for 250 bucks a week. Quote, it looked like a tremendous fortune, and I accepted quickly, afraid they might think twice and back out, he told an interviewer at the time. I couldn't read lines too well, but World War II was underway, and all the studios were looking for actors with oriental features. 
I bicycled around from one set to another, playing a Japanese here, a Filipino there, a Chinese on still other days. Wow. He appeared in six Charlie Chan films, as well as appearing in numerous TV shows throughout the 60s, 70s, and 80s. He also became a, a successful restaurateur. He opened the Ah Fung restaurant chain in California beginning in 1946, and the chain grew to include five locations by 1971. Manton Moreland was a popular actor and comedian through the 1930s and 1940s. After working in small-time gigs, he was hired as a comedian in Harlem's Connie Inn Frolics in 1927. He then worked in a musical review Blackbirds of 1928, which ran for over 500 performances. From there, he worked his way through vaudeville, performing on Broadway and touring Europe. Vaudeville actor Flournoy Miller asked Moreland to team up with him after the passing of his previous partner, and together they starred in a one-reel short, That's the Spirit, in 1933, as well as numerous stage productions. Moreland appeared in several low-budget race films aimed at African-American audiences, and he appeared in larger productions after his comedic talent was recognized, and he got parts from the major studios as well as the smaller independents. With his bulging eyes and distinct laugh, he quickly became a favorite supporting player in Hollywood. According to Moreland's biographer, Michael Price, after Shemp Howard passed away in 1955, Mo Howard offered Moreland the part of the third stooge in the popular Three Stooges Act. Wow. Columbia Pictures, under which the Stooges worked, insisted on a comedian already under contract, however, which gave the role instead to Joe Besser. Wow. Yeah, very interesting. That would have been very different. That would have been really neat, though. It would have been very cool. I've recently, only recently, kind of discovered the Charlie Chan films. Mm -hmm. I think only within the last oh, year, year and a half, mm -hmm. that I stumbled on... I think just on Amazon Prime, they had one or two available. Mm -hmm. And so I tuned in and started watching. And not going to lie, they are immensely enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are a very specific type of movie. And like that, it sounds like I'm working up to an insult. I'm really not. <laughs> There's so many of them. There's just such a huge, huge number of them. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting. I, it's fascinating what you said about the character being creative as sort of a backlash to the, uh, the anti-Asian movement during World War II, um, or uh, rather being picked up because of that. I, I was actually thinking about us reviewing Go For Broke and thinking about, I, I remember us talking about how we were surprised that in that time that they so quickly made a movie that pro so prominently showed especially asian americans in a really good light and so it's really interesting to hear that there were other that there were people thinking that way before then mm -hmm. and you know trying to promote this you know i look for lack of a better term less racist viewpoints about people that was real, that's very interesting that actually makes me like the character even more whenever you talk about charlie chan and you you want you see any comments on any videos or anything there's always the discussion about whether it's racist to have a white character playing the Chinese character. Mm -hmm. There are defenders who will argue that, well, he's an actor playing a part. Mm -hmm. And the character is not played as... 
it, it's not a derogatory per- portrayal. Incorrect. He, he's often the smartest person in the room. I think always the smartest person in the room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's always played very smart, and he's always very respected by everyone he meets. Mm-hmm. I don't want to necessarily get into that deeply into that discussion, I guess, on this Yeah, show. I, I don't think we're saying it, it's always better for a person of Caucasian background to play. That's not what we're saying at all. But it, it's better to have somebody being portrayed that way in a positive light than not being portrayed at all in a positive light. Yes, I, yeah, I think that's it. And I, I've also read quotes from some of his co-stars who played one of, you know, number one, two, or three son or <laughs> yeah. whatever. And they actually, at the time, were like, you know, we didn't care. There was someone on screen that looked like us. Yes, yeah. And that was really important. And it yeah. it, it wasn't as important to them that um, that he wasn't actually one of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if, so having heard what you said about the, the serial, The House Without a Key, I would love to find that. That being played by a Japanese actor, not a Chinese actor, of course. But man, that would be phenomenal to find that and be able to watch that to see Charlie Chan played by uh, an Asian actor, which yeah. is still not the same thing, guys. If you're going to say it can't be a white person, but it's okay if it's a Japanese person playing a Chinese person, then is it really any better? I'm going to go right. with no, but <laughs> we'll just move right on from that argument. But uh, but still, to, to see it played by an Asian, an Asian person would be fascinating. I had assumed it was always played by a Caucasian man. Mm-hmm. I, I just had assumed that it always had been. It never occurred to me that it wasn't, which was always one of my kind of biggest cringe factors about it i mean gosh we all are familiar with spaghetti westerns you know we we all are familiar with blackface and we could talk about every single stereotype that has ever been put on film but um that but that makes me a little bit happier that to know that oh no it actually went through even more of a a kind of evolution than i knew that it had that's really interesting to me i'd love to find that i just think that'd be really fun to see Oh yeah, no, you want to see the original Charlie Chan? Let's watch this instead. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, and and as I said though, that film he is just a supporting character. He's not the star of the film. He's just a character that is in that movie. Yeah, still really interesting to see. I think yeah. that'd be fascinating. Yeah, no, it would be. I I don't know if that film still exists. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'd have to yeah do a little digging on that or something. I, I'd be surprised. I'd be a little surprised if we could turn up a good copy of it for sure. Yeah. And you're you're right. There are so many Charlie Chan films. I mean, what did we say? Sixteen through the one studio, and another, uh, at least as much through the other. And unfortunately, that makes it. If you want to watch all the Charlie Chan films, it's actually a little difficult to do because you have to search and get many different like box sets and stuff because of I guess rights issues from mm-hmm. the different studios as they've pass through hands and then there's only a handful that are in public domain mm-hmm. and um yeah trying to track down all the ones and and that that still exist and to try to watch them all it's it's a bit of a task yeah yeah <laughs> trust me as someone who's been trying <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've been talking about this off uh, off the podcast for quite a while you said a year and a half i think it's been at least that long um and, and i think you perked my interest and i ended up watching a couple of different ones as well and this one is, well, I, I suppose we should just talk about it. <laughs> yep. I mean, let's get on with that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is one of the ones the, that it is considered public domain. Uh, it, this is the one you will find on Amazon Prime as well. 
if you it's included with Prime, which is how I it was probably this is probably the first one I watched. The first Charlie Chan film that I, that I watched is Dark Alibi. So this was my introduction to Charlie Chan in a way. <laughs> I, I knew of the character. I had seen I'd seen him parodied in films uh, yeah. just before we started recording. We were talking about Murder by Death, who Phenomenal had Peter movie. Sellers yeah, <laughs> as a Charlie Chan-like character. Yes, it just rips on every single uh, crime-busting detective movie ever made up to that point. It's hilarious. Yeah, but yeah, this, so this was indeed my... my um, introduction to Chan, not knowing that this is kind of in the latter years of the Charlie Chan films. Mm-hmm. I love that uh, Charlie Chan stumbles into this mystery just by, he just happened to be happens to be in the room. By being nosy. <laughs> he just stops yeah. outside the door to listen to part. It, yeah. it is an interesting little meet cute. Like, the, he says, okay, bye, and starts to walk out the door. And then the conversation oh, starts. Oh, you have to help me. Oh, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's somebody on death row? Hmm, sounds like my kind of thing. <laughs> the film starts. We actually get to see the crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we know right from the beginning, this is like a Columbo. Uh, we know that the that the person that's accused isn't guilty because mm-hmm. we've mm-hmm. seen the people who committed the crime. Mm-hmm. We get the impression that you know a lot of time has passed. We see the man arrested. You know, there's a flat, the quick flashes of a trial and the newspaper, the spinning newspaper and everything, <laughs> convictions and sentenced to death and all that stuff. So, all this time has passed, and so we get to see Charlie, who just oh happens to be in the room and he hears about this woman's plight and like, oh right, I've been following that in the paper. So his mind's already kind of been turning on mm. this case even before he's anywhere near it. Well, we've got to keep trying. June, I know the strain you're under, but breaking down won't help. Dad has only nine days to live. You know that he's innocent. I've always believed that. Or as public defender, I'd never have carried the case so far. If Dad dies, the law will have killed an innocent man. The law convicts only on evidence of guilt. June, this is an old friend of mine, Charlie Chan. Miss Harley. Miss Harley? Oh, I followed Thomas Harley's case all through trial. What did you think of the case against Mr. Harley? Case seemed quite perfect. Almost too perfect. Dad is innocent, no matter what anyone June, says. Dear. We have only a few days left. We've got to do something. Where can I get a good private detective? Well, that idea is useless. Tony, if you won't give me the name of a detective, I'll find one myself. Well, June, we haven't a chance. My entire staff tracked down every bit of evidence that might help. It was no use. I'm sorry than you'll ever know to have to say it, but there's nothing we can do. One thing can be done. What's that, Charlie? Give a young lady name of detective. Who would you suggest? Young fellow whom Mr. Morgan recommend. Call on detective tonight. Charlie, what can one man do against the entire legal force of the state? Ancient proverbs say, one small wind can raise much dust. Excuse, please. I, I just really like that because it, in a way, it almost gives you an early indication that we're dealing with someone who's really intelligent and really always thinking about like anything that goes on. You know, he's always looking to connect A to B to C. Mm-hmm. Always looking for the next puzzle. So I'm, I'm interested in... So I think we'll have to come back to Sidney Toller's portrayal of Chan eventually. But I'm interested to know... Um, the So the, the, main, the main girl who is... It's her father. I have not heard, I have not heard of this actor before. Tila Lorning. Loring, I said. Loring, yeah. Yeah, Tila Loring is not somebody I can think of that I've heard of or seen before. She's remarkably pretty. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I'm kind of. It's a little bit interesting that she just. I just never really heard of her before. Uh, they, and she's a very <laughs> she's a very damsel in distress character. Oh yeah, absolutely. In this film, for sure. Oh yeah, I'm not. I don't mean as an actor. I mean as as a character in this film. She's she is there to create the pretty face to draw the interest of somebody that's willing to help her. Mm-hmm. And so, so it was interesting because there are a couple of interactions that I didn't really pick up on, and I'm still a little perplexed by. And I, this may be the product of. Uh, I'm going to just admit it here, guys. I'm just going to say it. The first time I watched this, I fell asleep in the middle. Oh. And now, to be fair, I was very tired. But I did fall asleep in the middle of a movie, which is pretty unusual for me. And so um, it, it is possible that I j- it just didn't catch me as it would other people. I've watched other Charlie Chan movies that have really hooked me. And I've mm-hmm. not wanted to look away. This one, it felt a little what's the word i want uh formulaic it felt just a little formulaic to me that i'm putting that politely it felt very formulaic to me <laughs> and it, it it's i think maybe part of it is like you said this is pretty late in the charlie chan universe there's been a whole lot that's been done and i don't i'm interested to know if this was an original script or if it was based off of uh, a book I'm willing to bet that it was probably the former yeah no this I believe was definitely an original uh, written for the screen um, yeah this is a, a monogram picture of this so it's a poverty row studio they don't have the budget that something like you know when they when the Charlie Chan films were in Fox mm-hmm. uh, you they could do probably a little bit more they mm-hmm. could uh, bring in a a, a, a big bigger cast or a more well-known cast they could have a little bit more uh sets i mean this one is as far as like sets and locations it's pretty bland it it is and that's not the worst thing in the world that's not horrible we've definitely seen a number of poverty row films that we've been surprised by the the script the quantity the quality not the quantity sometimes the quantity (laughs) but in this particular case it felt a lot like they said hey let's crank out another charlie chan film and here's going to be the main part the the what the thing that kind of surprised me with it was that it didn't feel like a very complex like crime it felt like such a straightforward like and maybe that's part of it is that it, it was a the murder is a presumably a guard a bank guard just gets shot at the very beginning of the movie and then there's nothing there's like i think maybe part of it for me is that there's no like interpersonal drama in this movie at all like every other charlie chan movie it feels like there's some kind of interpersonal drama and turmoil going on and with this one it feels very clear-cut there's a bank robbed and somebody happens to get killed in the process of that somebody innocent gets accused the daughter needs help. Charlie Chan agrees to help. Eventually he figures it out. It all gets resolved and that's the end. But there's not like a lot of twisting and turning in this. It feels very formulaic. He's just kind of going from one scene to the next, from one clue to the next. And there's not a lot of slip ups. There's one attempt at, a, it, there's one very brief attempt at portraying an amount of danger and it goes by so quick that if you, you know, stepped out of the room to grab a glass of water, you would just totally miss it. 
And it, it just, I, I feel like I'm getting too quickly to the wrap up and to the rating on this, but it just feels like, to me, this movie just feels too much like it's missing the drama. It's missing the intrigue. There's a question, but it's not an, the only urgency in the question is because somebody's going to die in nine days. I, I think, unfortunately, they, they took out a lot of that, the, the twists and turns as you're looking for, to make room for the comedy, the, uh, the comedy mm-hmm. with Manton Moreland and uh, Benson Fong. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave him kind of a, a, a double act between the two and occasionally just a single act with, with, with Manton Moreland. And that kind of surplants, I mean, Charlie Chan's like, I'm, I'm going to go look over here. You, you feel like it's a stage production, and then like, and you just want Charlie Chan to go, ladies and gentlemen, Manton Moreland, and then walk off the stage. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then he'll just disappear. And there's the part where there's actually I would call an action scene, and it's very interesting to me that during this action scene, Charlie Chan is nowhere to be found. <laughs> the, right. the whole action scene is between son number three, you said, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, in Birmingham, and it. And then it's it's just done, and then Charlie Chan is miraculously there at the end of it. And, and I had I actively thought at that point, I wonder if he wasn't part of the scene because he just was like, now nah, I'm getting too old. Like, just have them do it, and I'll go over here. You know, Sydney Toller's just like, yeah, guys, uh, I'm going to take a break. You guys do the scene, and I'll be back. Uh, of course, I have nothing to indicate that that's really what happened. But it was, I did get that feeling. I did genuinely think, I wonder why he wasn't any part of this at all. Uh, yeah, so so this movie was, this is a little tough for me because I want, I always want to find like the good things about a movie. And I always want to say, you know, I noticed that this person did an exceptional job. But then it almost is the other way around. I noticed that everybody was pretty mediocre. <laughs> and there's one character in it. I have to look up his name because I'm not going to be able to remember it. Um, but he's played by George Holmes and his name in the show, He's kind of the love interest for the daughter in it. And he actually seems, if anything, just like a little more bland than everybody else. <laughs> like they picked him because he's good looking. But and it's, it's not that you get the impression that he's not intelligent. It's just he's just kind of he's the ham sandwich. He's just there. It's like, you know, hey, we got roast beef over here and turkey over here. And there's a ham sandwich if you want that. And they're like, oh, we'll take the ham sandwich things. Yeah. Are you like just gritting your teeth as I'm saying this? Do you strongly disagree? Obviously, no, there's don't. talent in the top three build actors yeah, here. No, this is it, it's a very difficult film because I, I enjoy the film. I have fun watching the mm-hmm. film. But is it? a good Charlie Chan film. <laughs> no, it's a mediocre Charlie Chan film. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a fun comedy. If you're into, you know, the character of Birmingham Brown, who's great. He's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. See, that's just it. That's, that's actually makes it really frustrating. So it's like, Oh, is it a great movie? No, but, <laughs> but you it's got these see great character. characters. <laughs> yeah. 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 I totally agree. I love the sons in every Charlie Chan movie I've seen. I love the sons. Uh, he treats them like they're complete morons, but they always <laughs> end up kind of pitching in. And so I, I love the concept of them. I love the idea that he's, 
got all of these kids whom you never see all in one place, which totally makes me. Oh, mad. you do though. I oh. think uh, in some there is. I'm trying to remember which film it was. He shows a family portrait of a picture. Oh. <laughs> And it's him standing in front, and it's got all these kids. It's got like twelve kids lined up behind him and his wife. He's the Chinese trap family. Yeah. <laughs> that's cute. So, and that's the that's kind of the joke about it too, right? Is how many sons have you got? Like, you know, well, clearly at least three. But in uh, in I think that's part of what's a little bit frustrating with this movie is that there is potential. There's always potential in a Charlie Chan movie. Because, of course, the character of Charlie Chan is very interesting, even though I don't know that you ever really learn anything about him. <laughs> I, I, he just is. He's just this enigma. Um, and you get to see, you know, the his chauffeur, who's hilarious and a lot of fun and knows everybody, it seems like. And there's always that one scene where they're doing the... Did you see her? No, I ain't seen her since. I thought you were done with that. Oh, no. I actually know you did. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. The, uh, Manton Moreland and Ben Carter oh, funny. do their routine a couple times in this film. Yeah. Um, and I, it it is a fantastic comedy routine. Mm-hmm. Well, Birmingham Brown. Well, look at old Benjamin. <laughs> What is that, boy? Not much. Man, it's sure good to see a new face around here. Yeah, but this face ain't staying. Neither is mine. <laughs> yeah. Birmingham, you're always late, even coming to see me. Don't you ever do anything on time? Sure, I bought a car once. How? On time. You know what made me late, Benjamin? What? I had to take my girl over no to... No beauty shop can help her. No. Why, no. Why, she got a face that... Not that bad. The lady at the beauty parlor said that she was going they to... They can't recap them wrinkles. No. No. Now, what they should do is... They did. And while we was over there, do you know what... I know, I know. Now, look, hmm? is that the same gal... No, she you... don't weigh that much now. No? No, all she weighs now is... Uh... That's still too heavy. Why don't you get her to go on the same diet my gal used? Get her to take two... Oh, bottles. they don't make that stuff anymore. No? No, now, what I want to give her is something... That'll give her hay fever. Yeah? Why, sure. Listen, hmm? in that case, why don't you take her over I to... did. And you know who I saw over there? Who? I saw... Uh, is he still out there? Yeah. I thought he was... He was, but he got out. Is that so? Yeah. <laughs> He's staying over with Mr... Is that so? Mm-hmm. They must be charging No, him. not that much. No? No, all he's paying is... That's a fair price. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, look at here. Uh, I got to go now. I'll be over to see you. I'll be working then. Oh, well, I'll be seeing you. I'll be looking for you now. Okay, sure, look me up now. I'll do that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> who is that man? Oh, he's a fellow used to hang around my house. <laughs> That's my brother, Ben. Oh, you're... <laughs> Does it belong in your mystery film? <laughs> we could argue. But yeah. it is a great comedy it routine. Is, and I want to say they do it in a couple of Charlie Chan movies. I could be mistaken. But I feel like there's one where they're in a hotel and they do the same thing. And, you know, I believe and you're right. These conversations where the person never gets through the sentence before the other person knows what they're going to say and interrupts them. And in this one, they just take it so far to the next level. You can tell this is an inside joke and they have decided to push it as far as they can to the point where one of them will say two words and the other one goes, no, he didn't. (laughs) (laughs) But I know he didn't. (laughs) It's, and it is hilarious. But you're exactly right. There's, you can have comedy in a mystery, but it does feel disjointed because they're the only comedy there's mm-hmm. no, nobody else makes any jokes. Nobody else smiles. 
except for these two guys and they end up kind of looking like goofballs and that's i think a little bit just the hazard of older movies that we see when they try to insert this kind of vaudevillian humor into it mm -hmm. it's not that you shouldn't have it it's that it just isn't tied in as well as it might be yes exactly you know i do think that when he's on the screen as Charlie Chan, I think Sidney Toller is great in this film. I think mm -hmm. I think he's Charlie Chan is great in this film mm -hmm. when he's in the film. <laughs> I also feel like I I don't. You're going to get a lot of people. He actually mentions pigeon English in this movie, which yes, is interesting to me because we had a whole <laughs> conversation all about that. You know, uh, back before when we were reviewing uh, Go for Broke and. It, I love that he mentions it, but, and of course, part of the joke is that he speaks kind of pigeon English and I forget where he's going with that. Hold on. I'll get it in just a second. Well, I love that <laughs> he mentions it after jumping into the act between it's Manton almost, and yeah, Carter. it's almost the, the lady that speaks jive in airplane. <laughs> Excuse yes. me, I speak jive. You know, <laughs> he does almost exactly that, which is, and then you go, wow, okay, no, he did that 30, 30 years before Airplane, 20, 30 years before Airplane, and Charlie Chan is doing that, and it's so, it's, oh, it's so funny. And poor, and poor Tommy is on the outside every... <laughs> Birmingham Brown. Oh, no, this is too much. Well, hello there, Benjamin. Hello, Birmingham. Hey, I just been figuring. Do you know you owe... I don't owe you nothing. All I owe you is... Oh, no. You forgetting the time that Nine. I... Nine? Do you know I had to spend around... You ain't never spent that much in your life. Look, my Uncle Roten told me no, that... No, 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 Birmingham not do that. He go see landlady and she tell him... She lied. I don't owe her a cent. Listen, Mr. Chan, did you know her? Yeah, I met him last time, you know. That's when... right, Mr. Chan. That's the time that I took it over to... Took what over to where? Oh, the check to the tailor. Oh, that's what after that suit I never got to wear. Yeah, Birmingham go out in rain. Suit shrink. Taylor refused same, so Birmingham must pay for suit. Well, where's the suit now? It's still shrinking. My little nephew got on his teddy bear. You know, that's why I like meet you boys. We understand each other so well. Y'all yeah, know that way, Mr. Chan. <laughs> Oh, Mr. Chan, he me! <laughs> I don't get it. I never get that kind of a talk. How do you do it? You are familiar with pigeon English? Oh, sure. Same difference. Same oh, thing. same difference. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is funny. It, 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 I, I enjoy the character, and I don't have a problem with how he speaks. This is where I was going with that. <laughs> what I do have an issue with is that I don't think the script is very good. I think that there are times when he is saying things where it feels very forced. And I'm sure he was reading what they told him to read from the script. And there, it's it's the classic, oh gosh, in, uh, you guys, I'm, pu I'm pulling out my knowledge here. <laughs> in Murder on the Orient Express, the good one. You guys know the one I mean, the good one, okay? <laughs> There's a point where um, Poirot knows that the the nurse is lying because she knows um, the word emolument, emolument, something like that. But she doesn't know like very simple English words. Mm -hmm. And that's what pulled my brain out of this. In this one, Charlie Chan uses these big, long English words. But then just as <laughs> as they say in Murder by Death, it's 
It's why you are one of the most intelligent people in the world, and you can't in the world you can't use prepositions. It's. <laughs> this is the last one, Pop. No more. Today's the 14th, and Harley's scheduled to die the 17th. What can you do reading all this stuff, Pop? Police reports show three banks robbed in past two years. Do you think Harley robbed all three of them, Pop? Son Tommy is noisy woodpecker on family tree. Woodpecker. <laughs> I got to remember that. Rodden bank robbed and man named Stanley Gray convicted. Lamont bank robbed, man named Stephen Briggs imprisoned. And Harley was set up for the bank job in this city. And all three banks robbed in identical manner. And no money was ever recovered. Also curious coincidence is each man arrested in each case swear he leave no fingerprints in bank because he never there. Do you think Holly was in with a gang, Pop? Oh, he finished school, now he tried to finish me. But Pop... Mocho. That, it's not that he speaks that way, it's that he then can use these huge $5 words, but then his grammar is so poor. And so I would have no problem with it if he were using a little bit simpler words, right? Not because yeah. he's unintelligent, but because of his grasp of the English language. So the the in to me, all of that, it's not an issue with the character. All of that is an issue with the script writing. As far as the script and, and the mystery, that's another thing too, is the entire mystery hinges on just one thing. Yes. Thank you for saying that. There really isn't that much of a way of of detectiving. I mean, there's not like him sleuthing out the he just kind of wanders around and he and then he's like no this this one thing and can you and, and he gets someone else to do all the work more or less off screen to solve this and then he's like oh well that's why and but well, okay great so that cinches everything up you're more exactly or less. right you, you actually just described all of what I was trying to figure out how to explain about what bothered you about this movie and it's exactly that that he does no detecting he knows like from the very beginning that the person that's been accused is innocent. And then he goes and he interviews some people, but ultimately you could have a pro you could probably erase 80% of this movie and it would still be the exact same storyline, even notwithstanding the comedic routines, which take a lot of the, the runtime up. Yeah. But just because all he has to do is just be able to prove one little detail about the fingerprints and and he doesn't even need to know anything else. Like literally, right. if he can yeah, just yeah, the interviewing the interviewing goes nowhere. No, that doesn't really give him any information that he needs. I kept thinking that it was going to come back to the interviewing, and then the very end of it, they pull a rabbit out of a hat. I won't say anything more than that, but they pulled a rabbit out of a hat, and there was and this is where I was wondering: Did I just miss a lead up or something? I don't think I did because I went back and rewatched it and. And there's, I don't think, anything to indicate the way that it turns out. And so that really is more more than anything, that whole rabbit from a hat scenario. And honestly, there's a point where he's talking to a person and you think that person's going to be the mastermind. And if it had been, I would have been like, oh, you dirty bag. But yeah. then that wasn't the mastermind. And I was like... What? <laughs> yeah, I, I remember thinking the same yes. thing. I remember thinking the exact same thing. We're, and we got Shawshank when, here, people. We got Shawshank. <laughs> and when he reveals the, the who the mastermind, who the culprit yes. is, it's only because, oh, it's he's the only one that had access to this and this. 
And it's one another one of these things that had then the person he's accusing gone, well, you're crazy. You're wrong. You're wrong. I, I'm, I'm innocent. The movie would have to continue. But yes. instead the guy goes, oh, you got me. Yeah. <laughs> Darn you what? pesty kids. <laughs> <laughs> I would have gotten away with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, exa- I, exactly. So, it, so yeah, there, there are real problems with this movie, mostly because it's just not interesting enough. <laughs> Which is really sad to say about a Charlie Chan movie because I think, like you said, this is not the best Charlie Chan movie. There are some Charlie Chan movies out there that do a really good job. I don't make any beef about one of my favorite, favorite uh, investigative pairs are Nick and Nora Charles, the yep. Thin Man series. Yeah, I, which I just finished, by the way. Did I just you? Finally, yes. Oh! want to talk about that but we're not talking about that tonight maybe after we quit recording and if you guys want to hear us talk about that you know leave us a comment (laughs) but there the storylines for that are always kind of complex and they're always a bit drama the second one especially oh my gosh jimmy stewart in the second one and there are charlie chan movies that are like that where you're just kind of on the edge of your seat going what's going to happen next and this just isn't one of them, which makes me really sad because it's the one that's in public domain and therefore it's the one that's on the show. You guys are awesome for listening. Thank you. <laughs> I wish that I could say, you know what, though? There is one thing about this movie that absolutely clenches it for me and makes this such an awesome movie. And I can't. Right. I can't. Yeah, I really kind of feel in the same way. I've watched this a couple times now and I still enjoy watching it. Yeah, of course. But you're right. It isn't as far as, oh, could you recommend me a Charlie Chan film? It's not necessarily <laughs> going to be this one. Outside of the fact that this one's the easiest one to to find and get a hold of to yeah. watch. Yeah, it's like I love uh, one of my my. I almost said dirty secrets. That's not the right phrase, by the way. Guilty pleasures is the right word. I love Wild Child with Emma Roberts. But if you said is is Emma Roberts' best movie, Wild Child. Mm, No, it's not. (laughs) Is it really entertaining? And does it have Nick Frost? Yes, it does. However, probably not her best movie. And this is kind of the same thing. It's like, well, it's one of the most accessible. And if you want to just get a general idea of what Charlie Chan movies are, this will serve. But frankly, if you haven't been exposed to Charlie Chan before, unless this is the only one you can get access to, in which case you should watch it because you're listening to this podcast, you should watch a freaking Charlie Chan movie. Well, it... (laughs) It worked for me. Like I said, I think this was my first Charlie Chan film, and it sent me down a path to go and try and watch as many Charlie Chan films as I can find. But it also is worth mentioning, this was your first Charlie Chan film. And I had seen others. So this might be part of the reaction to it is you watch this and were like, you you thought, oh man, I'd really like to see some more. I watched this and I thought, ah, oh, it wasn't as good as the other one I watched. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's also just perspective too. So yeah, maybe if you haven't seen a Charlie Chan movie, this is the one to watch because you're going to be disappointed if you watch it later. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's how it is. (laughs) Or maybe it's just, you know, when you decide to be a completionist, watch this one for sure. It has its moments. I mean, Mm -hmm. every Charlie Chan movie has a a moment or two that you're like, oh yeah, that's funny. But I feel like all the moments in this movie we've actually seen in other movie already. And so... mm. Yeah, this one's... Uh, this one's definitely good for some of uh, the Charlie Chan aphorisms. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's got some good lines. Yeah. <laughs> and again, you know, just to keep bringing it back, you know, there are some good comedy moments if you if you like. I, I feel like uh, Manton Moreland is a love or hate 
kind of act. He is. He's got a very specific physiological thing that was very popular during this time. I thought of I thought of Ghostbreakers. I can't think of the gentleman's name who's in it, but he uh, he plays Alex in it, and he's I think one of the best parts of that movie. It's uh, Bob Hope and Paulette Goddard. Great mm-hmm. movie, The Ghostbreakers. Just just watched that that not long ago. Oh, so great, isn't it? So that's one of my when it's raining outside. That's I want to watch that or Goonies, you know. But um, he they do these kind of boggle eyed kind of close ups on him, and and it's a thing that at the time was incredibly hilarious and today i think we have we struggle a little bit because it feels very sort of i I can't think of a good word for it but it feels very intentional and maybe over the top and also maybe a little demeaning to the character where you're like oh this this person is like not really this stupid like it's it's a little hard to get sucked into the character being kind of that silly so he, I think, is delightful. I think some of the directing choices are not my favorite. Where they said, hey, let's just focus in on him making the boggle eyes for like 30 seconds. And it's like, right. mm, this was probably hilarious back then. Not as funny today. Yes. Now, some of his funniest moments are the moments where he's not really doing his, his shtick. You know, he's not doing the, uh, his legs or, you know, yes. trying to run out from underneath them or yes. the, the, the bulging eyes. I, I think one of the funnier things is uh, they're in their uh, apartment or their hotel room. Now, ain't that something? After we packed the bags, better than we ever packed them before. Now, that's what your pop said. Yep. Then we had to unpack everything. It took us four hours of hard work. Yeah. You know what, Tommy? I got a headache. A headache? Mm-hmm. I don't know where I got it, but I got one. Always sitting. Wish you would wear out brains instead of cedar pants. Pop, we have been thinking. Most impossible. Oh, uh, yes, sir, Mr. Chan. We've been thinking. And now you have a headache. Hey, how did he know that? Now, in a case like this, what would confusion say? It's not confusion. It's Confucius. Every time you open your mouth, it's confusion to me. Hey, you hear that one brain knocking? That's you. That's the door. Uh-oh, that's me. Me. And he gets up to go get the door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just little things like that where it's a little bit... Yeah, I agree. I think he's... I genuinely... I've said the word delightful like six times in this episode. I do think he's really fun. He's really entertaining to watch. I think that uh, probably there are other... I, yeah. I. It's interesting. We. I think we, in modern attitudes, are very conscientious of anything we feel like is maybe a bit derogatory toward a character or a group of people. And so it's hard to just, you know, laugh at groups of people without having a conscience about it. At least I hope so. (laughs) I hope I'm not the only person that feels that way. But, uh, you know, but then maybe I take it a little too seriously too. I feel like there are things that he does that maybe, maybe just because I'm the age I am, I feel like I'm, oh, I'm above that. Oh, (laughs) and and kids would probably watch it and think it's just hilarious. Exactly. So maybe I'm just too judicious in my humor these days. Yeah, possibly. Since I put it on our YouTube channel, it has become one of our most watched videos. Yes, we so were talking it, it about it. It has that. a fan base. Absolutely. I mm-hmm. think it has over 200,000 views or something already. Or- on our channel. Yeah, which is wild. It is our most, most watched video, and it's only been up for about two months. Mm-hmm. And somehow, we were talking about this last month when we were talking about what we were going to cover this month. And, um, and, it, and 
I don't, I, I know we speculated a little bit on why it had, I mean, basically become so popular so fast. <laughs> and I don't know, unless people are just desperately looking for Charlie Chan, and, which is possible. I mean, it's possible. I, I pulled a few comments from the video. I won't give out the name since they didn't actually write to us necessarily or anything, but mm -hmm. I pulled some comments that I thought I'd, I'd read. The first one here says, this person says, I think this is the last really good one from the Poverty Row studio. Mm. It's a testament to the actors and script that up to this point, they were so good. The Fox films were stunning, but these hold up. Manton Moreland is always wonderful, and so are all the character actors who show up in them. No one can match Sidney Toller, Chinese or not. And this person has them all on DVD. So they oh, went out wow. and, and searched and got all the box sets, and they've got all the Charlie Chance on DVD. I'm jealous. That is dedication. That's very impressive. Uh, we have another comment here that says, I know that Charlie Chan in Egypt is considered the best of the Charlie Chan series, but this was really good. I've enjoyed Charlie Chan with Manton Moreland movies for some time. For that time, I've always thought the Charlie Chan movies were humorous, respectful, and non-racist. I agree with that. That's a great mm -hmm. comment. And we have another comment. While they never found an Asian actor to play Charlie Chan, they did employ just about every Asian actor or actress they could find to play other parts. <laughs> there weren't that many to pick from in the 1930s and 40s, and none save Anna Mae Wong, who were box office attractions. Warner Olin, the first notable Charlie Chan, had built a reputation playing Chinese in the Dr. Fu Manchu films. He could visually pass his Chinese, so much so that when he traveled to Hong Kong, he was mobbed by Chinese fans who didn't realize he was Swedish-American. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I hope that's true. I hope so, too. That's <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> that's the really last, great. The last comment I pulled is, uh, plenty of adventurous subterfuge and funny, witty scenes, lines in this B-flick. Worth watching just of the dialogues between Manton Moreland and Ben Carter. And finally, Sidney Toller. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so fun. I love, like, I, I love that we've been able to put something out that is drawing, not that we've put something out, but that, you know, we're able to host something that's drawing people's attention to older films. I think it, it, it's so funny. Now, Christopher and I are not the youngest people in the room. <laughs> And I know I work with people that have that don't even know what Goonies is because they're so young, right? And you know, if you're watching this channel, you probably at least know what Goonies is. But um, but it's so fun, I think, to have to be able to get things like this up and to have a conversation about about movies that are. My gosh, we're getting really close to 100 years old on this. I mean, we're getting we're just we're not even 25 years out of. 100 years from here we're this is over 75 years old i was the most backward way of saying that possible <laughs> but you know over 75 years old and people are still coming back and enjoying it and looking for it and finding it and having fun with it and i just i am so excited like i gosh coming into january guys there is a whole slew of movies that are now in the public domain that were not in the public domain before this month yes right? so this is so fun this is actually you know what we've got almost 11 11 years Yep. into this and we're finally getting a little bit of payoff and getting some new material available to <laughs> us <laughs> so it's it's a little bit funny but it is actually really exciting so it's it's great i'm glad we even if it's not my favorite charlie chan i'm glad we get to cover this and hopefully we'll get to cover another one before too long no we I, shall I, see. I i hope so 
Uh, and you are right. It is something that has given me just an amazing amount of pleasure since we started posting those videos on the, the uh, YouTube channel to see the subscribers grow as mm. quickly as it has. And we have over 5,000 subscribers. I saw that. That's wild. That's and so, so there are 5,000 kind of kindred spirits out there <laughs> that are looking for these older films. And oh. I, I think that is just fantastic. I, oh, me too. I, I wish they would all come and listen to listen. the podcast, too. <laughs> Maybe we should start saying at the end of the movie, in case you didn't know there's a podcast associated with this, you can listen to it here. <laughs> that might be some good advertisement for us, but it's still so much fun. I do put a comment under every one. I, I, I tag a comment under every video. You can listen or th hear our thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, a, and a link to the episode. So I'm hoping maybe one or two people come from the channel and, and, and listen to the show. I know there's there's been a few that found us through the YouTube and then started listening and now are active <laughs> listeners. And I, so I really appreciate, I appreciate everybody Absolutely. That, that listens and or watches. As uh, long as we have one person listening, it's worth making these. And that sounds like, Oh yeah, everybody says that. But the truth is I mean, Christopher and I like to talk about this anyway. If, I mean, we could just hang out and talk about this. We put it on a podcast yeah. because other people are listening. So yeah, because <laughs> it's not that big of a deal and there are people that other people that enjoy it. Which is fun. Absolutely. Well, are we going to rate this thing? Yeah. Should I guess, we rate yeah, it? It's a we, Charlie Chan movie. It feels a little sacrilegious. Yeah. <laughs> well, and especially because I just, I feel bad because I, I don't know if I can give it a really a good rating. I can't give it a good, as good a rating as I would like to. Okay. So here's what I recommend. This is my proposal. Mm -hmm. I think we should rate this particular Charlie Chan movie as a movie and then rate all Charlie Chan movies as a group. Uh -huh. Yeah, I think that'll okay. be a little more fair. Okay. So this particular movie, as movies go, what? how many Othels out of five, five being the best, one being the, the least, five being you should absolutely watch it or your life will be worse for it, one being if you watch it, your life will probably be worse for it. <laughs> All right. Just as a movie, as a movie that you can throw on, you can watch, you can enjoy, because you, know, you, can, you can appreciate some of the comedy, you can appreciate what little mystery there is. You can appreciate some of the great little one-liners from Charlie Chan. Easily, I'd give this one... I guess I'd have to give it a... Oh. That doesn't sound like easily. <laughs> yeah, no, easily, it's not easy as it, I thought. Oh. <laughs> I'd go so high as like maybe like a three and a half. Okay. I do really enjoy this film. I've watched it several times. It is a lot of fun. I can't go. I feel like you get into that four. You're getting into that. Oh no, this is a really great film, and it's mm -hmm. it's not. But yeah, I, I'm just I'm just gonna sandwich in that middle, just almost there, like three three and a half for me. All right, fair enough. Uh, so for me, this movie, and bear in mind, Christopher and I are different people. <laughs> I I feel like I can give this movie a solid two. It is. Of all the films, it, it, of all the films in all the bars and all the cities and all the world, this is not the one that I'd be the most excited to walk in and see. But um, it's not like a don't watch this movie, it's awful. It's more like a, if you're a completionist, you really love Charlie Chan, absolutely watch this movie. Also, if this is the only Charlie Chan movie available to you, yes, I think you should watch it. I genuinely do. Um, I think if you're if you're, again, if you're listening to Orphaned Entertainment and you haven't seen a Charlie Chan movie, it's probably time. 
you know, bite that bullet. But I wouldn't necessarily say this is the Charlie Chan movie to watch. No, well, see, now you went. You seemed like you went against what you were saying. You, that sounds like your 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 review and your rating of it of it as a Charlie Chan film. No, no, my review of it as a Charlie Chan film. No, no, I wouldn't say no. What I'm saying is let's rate this movie and then let's rate all the Charlie Chan movies as a collection. Oh, I my see. My opinion on should you watch a Charlie Chan movie is five. A hundred percent. You absolutely should oh, watch a Charlie Chan movie. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Movie. There's no question in my mind that, I don't care if you don't, if, you, if you're one of those people that says, oh, I don't like black and white movies, good thing you're not a dog, bro. But <laughs> <laughs> if, you know what, if you're like, if you like movies, if you're listening to this podcast, you like movies. You don't get to this podcast because you're not interested in movies. So watch a Charlie Chan movie. There are others out there, like you can find all over the web, there are people's opinions on which ones are the best. There's one that is uh, based in Honolulu that I loved. I really enjoyed it. I can't remember the name of it right at this particular moment, but I really isn't, enjoyed it. Isn't there one just Charlie Chan and Honolulu? I feel like the there is. I feel like that is correct. Uh, I also feel like I watched the Black Dra- Black Dragon. Does that sound right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe that was one I enjoyed. There are a few. Yeah. I've seen a few of them. Uh, and so definitely, I just think, you know, there are some series that you could say, "Mm, if you're going to, you know, yeah, if you're going to pick up a movie from a series, yeah, maybe you should, or maybe you shouldn't, you know, like anytime you're recommending something to your parents, there's always a heavy, "Mm, should I really recommend this? (laughs) But this is for anybody, anybody that likes movies, you should absolutely watch a Charlie Chan movie. Nope. Absolutely agree. They are so much fun and kind of, uh, related if you're going down that route, uh, Boris Karloff did a series of films uh, as as a character, Mr. Wong. Yeah. Have you seen any of those? I believe I have. And the idea of Boris Karloff as a, a, Ch- a Chinese man is sounds really ludicrous. <laughs> if you know who Boris Karloff is, it's kind of like, wait, what? Yeah. But <laughs> I feel like I, I seem to recall enjoying what I saw. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly the same that I I actually really like those films as well they're Charlie Chan without using Charlie Chan film yes. is what they are <laughs> they're I mean it's it they're uh, murder by death <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah hi, hi, yeah any of these you know what's really funny is I think Charlie Chan is such an iconic character that even watching Charlie Chan knockoffs you were talking earlier about Euro spy films. Was that right? And, yeah. Uh-huh. Which are basically James Bond knockoffs. And we were talking about, you know, you could be a Godzilla fan or you can be a creature film fan. And if you're really, you're really picky and you only watch James Bond, that's fine. That's your choice. But, you know, there's so much fun to be had by stepping outside of that brand and just enjoying other people's ideas of what it could have been. And I think that this is a good example of that too. It, you know, Charlie Chan is iconic. He created a genre, or at least he founded a genre. And anything that's a spinoff of that is gonna have some elements that are really enjoyable. And so it's kind of funny. Like you could almost argue that, you know, any any of these spin-offs or knockoffs, I should say is almost as good as watching a Charlie Chan film. And it, they are. They're super fun. You talk to Charlie Chan, it's just, he's a genre in and of itself. And mm-hmm. there is something 
something just attractive to this character. I mean, he was in, what did I say? Like only maybe five or six books. And mm-hmm. in one of those, he's just a supporting character. Mm-hmm. He's not, it's not, he's not even on the, on the cover. Mm-hmm. And there are what, like 30 films. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> such that, a great character. And that's not counting like radio shows or mm-hmm. uh, any appearances on television or anything. I, that's astonishing. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there is something beloved about this character. There's yeah. something attractive about this character that just your dr- people have been drawn to him now for over 70 years. Ah, so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, man, it's, it's so funny. Every time we do this, and by this I mean recording one of these episodes, I think we, I always kind of go into it with like, okay, we got to record tonight. All right. You know, did, did I watch the movie? <laughs> That's always the first question. Step one. Did yeah. I get a couple watches in? Do I know what I want to say? Are we all set? And, you know, you kind of sit down and go, okay, like, all right, let's get to work. But then by the time that we're done, I'm always grinning hugely. And is uh, this, uh, this movie, it's so funny because I, like I said, I fell asleep watching it the first time. <laughs> but then starting to pick it apart and talking about it, talking about the characters. The character is so great. So, um, yeah, I just I just never regret it. I, I think that even watching this movie twice, it's about an hour-long movie, two hours of my life sucked away from me. No, two hours of my life spent watching this movie have been worth it because I get a chance to discuss it here. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. I, I'll admit that I was sitting down, I watched this film, and I'm... And maybe this says something of going back to the you know, the quality of the film is, God, what are we going to talk about from this movie? <laughs> but we sit down and we start talking, and you're right, it is just so enjoyable. It always has been. Uh, even even the worst film that we've covered, <laughs> I, I, I still end this smiling. I, I hope our listeners have at least half the grin that you and I, I do so. by the time the episode ends. <laughs> turns out everybody that's listening is angry and we're just cracking up no (laughs) i don't think that's the case at all but um yeah man again thanks for inviting me i always enjoy it it's been over a decade christopher i've been having conversations with you about movies longer than i've been married (laughs) (laughs) and it's been wonderful and hopefully we'll continue to be it's one of those things you don't need an excuse but it gives me such an excuse to explore this these films that Mm. otherwise I might have ignored. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yep. Absolutely agree. Hopefully it gives other people the excuse as well. Ah, absolutely. And you watch a few of these on, on some streaming services. It's going to start recommending other ones and yeah, go ahead and click down there (laughs) and check those out. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) And we will be back in another month with another one of those films to discuss I'm already looking forward to it. I don't even know what the film is yet. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So if you're curious about the process of how we choose films, or if you have one that you'd like to recommend, make sure that you reach out to us on Facebook or on any of the other social media platforms we're on. Usually Christopher does the close up, but I just jumped into it just for fun. (laughs) And uh, we appreciate you listening. Make sure that you check us out at orphanedentertainment.com. And we will talk to you again next month. Bye, everybody. Bye.
try. So yeah, no, I just started doing it because I like had my radio voice going. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm just going to run with it. <laughs> that was funny. All right. And stopping recording now.